the incomparable. Number 309, July 2016. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. It's time for one of our ill-conceived and ridiculous draft episodes. Ill-conceived not by my panelists, who I'm sure have spent a lot of time thinking about this, but certainly by me. I will uh, be just as inconsistent and arbitrary, as always, as the judge of who is able to draft what. Uh, What we are drafting in this episode? Spaceships. That's it. That's all that I've told our panelists. We're drafting spaceships to assume, uh, I guess uh, we would assume to to build a fleet, an armada, a collection. I don't even know what the outcome of this is other than to get all the best spaceships for themselves. Uh, Joining me to uh, draft spaceships are the following people. Joe Rosensteel. Hello. Hello. John Syracusa. Hi. This can only end badly, Jason. I, I, well, it's start, not starting that hot, actually, so we'll see how, <laughs> how bad it gets from here. Uh, also, Scott McDulty. Hi, Scott. For my first pick, I take mm-hmm. Jefferson Starship. Uh, well, you know, there's many questions about whether you t- can take Jefferson Starship, also the band Starship, which was an evolution of Jefferson Starship. Are they the same Starship? I don't know. We, we may find out tonight. Also, <laughs> I don't think there's a dance called the Starship. Thank goodness. <laughs> not yet. Uh, with, with the fourth pick, you just heard her. Uh, Erica Ensign is here. Hello. Spaceship, spaceship, spaceship. Spaceship. To you too. Uh, Monty Ashley. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. And Chip Sutterth. They're going to take all of mine. I know it. It's mm-hmm. probably the case. That's how drafts work. And Brian Hamilton. I've got one job on the spaceship. It's a dumb job, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, you win the quote round. <laughs> and the order in which I introduced our panelists is, in fact, the order in which we will draft. Joe Rosenstiel, you yourself got the uh, first pick in the draft. So tell us, what spaceship would you like to draft and why did you choose that spaceship? Well, I think that one of the things that's probably going to come up, at least as we continue on past myself, it will be uh, Star Trek and the some of the ships that are there. And there are a number of ships that have been the the feature of many Star Trek enterprises uh, and and other various (laughs) vessels. And so there's one that I want to pick for this draft where I was like, you know, I kind of want to live on a ship. And what's the ship that I really would like to exist on where I would feel comfortable most of the time. And I think that would have to be the NCC 1701D ah. uh, Galaxy Class Enterprise from Star Trek The Next Generation. So it's it's sort of the creature comforts then that are driving you to the uh, the Enterprise D because it's got like uh, wood <laughs> accents. Plush carpeting. Lots of holodecks. Uh, nothing says brave space explorer like a hotel in space. Yeah. Ten forward. Replicators. You're, you're all set. A barber. That's true. <laughs> Mr. Mott. I hope I hope the barber doesn't come with the ship because I, I would just take a pass on Mr. Mott. How dare you? Are you okay in being in that lighting for the rest of your life on the ship? Like said, this <laughs> it's kind of harsh. Video lighting. It's kind of like every room looks the same, and it's really not flattering. Very fluorescent. Uh, it's it's pretty ambient and diffuse. I'll, I'll grant you that. It's it's you know. But then if you get tired of it, you can just tell the computer to turn down the lighting, um, and you can go into the holodeck, and you can be somewhere else if you want to. So I'm I'm comfortable with that. Are you worried at all about the constant psychopaths and murderers that the holodeck will spit out at you? (laughs) I was thinking about that, but there's going to probably be a couple other ships that other people are going to come across and draft in these rounds Mm. where it's going to be pretty dangerous as well because it turns out that sci-fi storytelling usually involves some sort of drama and action and and jeopardy so uh you got you gotta you gotta pick something and uh i would i would i would rather go with this one uh because at least you got some more comfortable environs than uh than a few of the other enterprises 
you know, in Encounter at Farpoint, the holodeck is just like a creek and a, like a forest. And that's perfectly safe until Data says, computer, create a frog that I can't even defeat. And then <laughs> that's it. The frog wins. And that's the, the end frog of the frog. Always been on the frog. Yeah, always. Speaking of that, does Q come with a ship? No, no. 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 Like he, you don't want him, but like you realize you've been you've been sold the bill of goods here, and Q's on board. It's possible, probably not. Uh, though. Curse you, genie! What does Q need with a starship? <laughs> Apparently a lot because he keeps showing up. I've been on a ship with Q, you know. Sorry, that's some glenning I did there. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, Glenn was on that ship too. John Syracuse, it's time for your first round pick of spaceships. Well, you know, I feel lucky. I feel lucky that I'm so early in the draft order, um, and with such good luck, I have to uh, pick a sh- the appropriate ship based on my good luck. If you were to see this ship, you may find yourself thinking, what a piece of junk. Mm. Your initial impression uh. may be, this one is garbage. Mm. You saw me arrive in this ship, you would say, you came here in that thing? You're braver than I thought. <laughs> is it a fast <laughs> ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. It's outrun Imperial Starships. Not the local bulk cruisers, mind you. I'm talking about the big Corellian ships now. She may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. The Millennium Falcon is my number one pick, and I can't believe it wasn't already chosen. <laughs> <laughs> well, the two big ones were already chosen in the first two rounds, so where the hell do we go from here? Great. And I will, I will add, by the way, the whole thing of like, oh, sci-fi stories involve danger, and you're always in danger in this ship. The Millennium Falcon... Danger doesn't seek it out. It escapes danger. It is forever fleeing from danger. It is fleeing from star destroyers. Mm. It is fleeing from the mouth of a giant puppet that's in an asteroid. Mm. Um, it's got a nice <laughs> game room where you can battle a little floaty ball and play some weird space chess thing. Uh, mm. It it survives miraculously when you think, you know, it should have been blown up, but it really just got its radar dish knocked off and it comes out of the flames triumphantly. The Millennium Falcon is a survivor. Well, I'll give you that, you know, it... it, it gets out of danger a lot uh especially as long as the hyperdrive is working uh because Even when it's not it's, working it still survives <laughs> it's not getting blown up all the time like the enterprise it is a little rickety, when the hyperdrive's though. not working it can make it to another star system mm-hmm. it goes yeah. from the asteroid belt to best that's not a system it's no a man, hyperspace <laughs> no you've got it backwards <laughs> foolish uh okay i i have to say that when i chose when i said john it's your pick i just started typing millennium falcon in my spreadsheet <laughs> well, so. I, I honestly i don't understand how it wasn't chosen first like i not the enterprise is great the enterprise d is great you know like good ship like i'm not gonna say anything bad about the enterprise except in general they tend to get blown up a lot but come on <laughs> The Millennium Falcon? Come on, people. You need hundreds of people to fly an Enterprise. Do you? It seems like you just need those people in the room leaning back and forth, and then like oh, computers yeah. just walking down the hallways with clipboards. Everyone else the is computer. there for ballast. It has to be a certain weight. <laughs> it's a union thing. Like, the unions have negotiated how many people have to be on the Enterprise. It flies itself, but, you know, we got to give the humans something to do. And also, we have to give Mr. Mott, the barber, something to do. Scott, a Star <laughs> Trek true. ship has already been chosen, but uh, you may I choose know. one if you like. There are many to choose from. That's true. Now, my question is, uh, alternate yes. reality versions of the same ship that has been already taken, <laughs> are these still – because my choice, if that is uh, allowable, is from uh, the series finale of Star Trek The Next Generation, the future Enterprise – captained by Admiral Riker that has a third nacelle uh, and a cloaking device and is far superior in every respect to the uh, 
one that Joe picked. Third in a cell. Hmm. I have to say, I was I was going to go by uh, if it's just a set redress, it's not enough. But the third in a cell is not just a set redress, so I'm going to give it to you, Scott. Take it, take it away. You get Riker, but you get Riker as captain. So sorry about that. Yeah, they, they he's, well, he's Admiral uh, Riker. He's but an they, Admiral. They added the the little cannon thing on the bottom, and they glued those little wing things next to the bridge. Yeah, um, for exactly. aerodynamic reasons. They yeah. even let it uh, break the horizontal plane in a fight scene. See, <laughs> it's true. Alas, that future was never to be because the one seven zero one D was destroyed. So it's from an alternate future timeline where the one seven zero one D survived. Exactly. I'm uncomfortable with how nerdy this spaceship draft is getting. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's true. We got to bring it back. Have you met us? Saturn Five. Somebody pick the Saturn Five, <laughs> quick. All right, Scott. I, you didn't let me down there. That was a nerdy Star Trek pick. That's what I was looking for from you. Uh, okay, so Erica, you're you're up. Uh, tell me what spaceship you'd like to pick. Oh, I, I cannot tell you what a feeling of relief I have to get to this point and still have the TARDIS on Yay! the board. <laughs> because Erica! surprise, surprise, the TARDIS is no longer on the board. It is mine. All mine. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, it's so awesome. It, it not only travels through space, it travels through time. It is bigger on the inside. But if you get bored traveling the reaches of space, you can go through time, too. You can go through atmosphere. Uh, sometimes you can go through a planet, although that doesn't always work so well. Um, it's it's semi-sentient sometimes, sort of. So you can kind of have somebody to talk to. You know, the ship is always looking out for you, um, as long as she likes you. If she doesn't like you, then you're probably in trouble. Um, but I'm very confident that the TARDIS would like me just fine. So, yeah, I I'm I'm pretty excited to be on the TARDIS. Plus, it's basically infinitely big on the inside, so I could have like six different bedrooms all decorated in completely different ways um, with, you know, my own library and pretty much whatever kind of food I wanted any time of the day. Although mostly it apparently comes in bar form, but you know what? It still tastes good. All right. The TARDIS is off the board. Fair enough. I, I It was inevitable. This is what happens when I go last in a round. <laughs> Stupid hosting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the TARDIS, the TARDIS fails at one of the most important things of a spaceship: getting you where you want to go consistently. Yeah, yeah well, it that depends thing does on the not era. have good steering at all. There's another spaceship that may come up that has a similar problem with navigation, but is it really a problem? Because I feel like the TARDIS is taking you where you need to be a lot of the time, like this other yeah. spaceship that that may be named mm-hmm. later. That is true. And really, for me, the, the TARDIS <laughs> is the destination itself. Wherever I ended up is just, that's just gravy. You're not concerned <laughs> about getting lost inside your own ship? Like the idea that you you own this thing, ostensibly, but you have no idea what the extent of the interior is, and it's possible to get lost for entire episodes in, inside mm-hmm. the TARDIS, for example. Yeah, that's just, that adds to the, the, the spice. That's the flavor. A little, mm. little excitement to life. A swimming pool. It uh, could be anywhere. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Monty. What's your spaceship choice? My first pick, sensible spaceships, have all been taken. So I'm going to have to push the bounds a little mm. with the Satellite of Love. Oh, come <gasps> on. Oh, man. <laughs> on my list. <laughs> on my list, too. It comes complete with hundreds of movies, mm-hmm. also Robot Pals. Yes, and made out of the, the parts they'd let you start and stop the mu- movies, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you lost the remote. Big deal. <laughs> And if the Satellite of Love is part of my fleet, I no longer have to worry about how I eat or breathe. So with the mundane worries of life behind me, I can stroll forward into a glorious life of watching movies with robots. (laughs) 
And isn't that really the dream of us all? <laughs> it really is. I've never understood the geography of the ship. On one end is where they do all the skits and everything, and right. then at somewhere else in the ship is a much, much bigger area where there's the screen. Even though the two ends of the ship are the same size, I've never understood that. They only look the same size. That's foreshortening. Uh, I see. Mm, that's right. It's perspective. It's, it's, like, it's like the Hobbit. <laughs> I mean, they go they go through that uh, shoebox to get to the movie theater, right? Uh-huh. With yeah. The cardboard doors that go up. We assume that's going all the way down the uh, ship. It may not be. And there's more rooms than we see. Like, each of the robots has a bedroom, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that is in the MST3K movie. So, you know, I've got a library, too. Yeah, there's a giant hamster wheel that you can run on. Yay! Mm-hmm. You'll stay fit forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stay fit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the satellite of love from Mr. Science Theater 3000 is now on the board. Chip, it's your turn. Uh, a lot of good stuff is already gone. What do you like? Sorry, Chip. Yeah, yeah, I'm very unhappy with you, Erica. I was tempted to select the Master's TARDIS, which is basically <laughs> everything Erica said, plus it's actually got a working chameleon circuit. <laughs> And usually goes where you want it to. Yeah, yeah, that too. But the great cooking TV show legend Alton Brown has always weighed in against unitaskers, things that can on- are only good as one thing or only have one purpose. I do have some unitaskers on my list, but I'm going to open with a spaceship that is not only a spaceship, but it is also a robot and... On top of that, it is also one heck of a really big gun. I speak, of course, of the Macross SDF-1, the giant uh, space battle fortress that is uh, at the heart of the uh, television series, Japanese uh, animated series, uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross also known in the U.S. as the first half of Robotech. This is a giant... Uh, this is a giant space battleship that uh, reconfigures itself to fire its uh, big, huge, stonking main gun to destroy hundreds and hundreds of ships in a single blast. Because when they used the hyperdrive the first time, one of the components disappeared and they had to reconfigure it to change it. Change it and it just happens to look like a giant robot when it's all said and done. One that has aircraft carriers for arms this ship spends a lot of time as a big statue though how do you feel about mm-hmm. that feel like it takes away from the sort of spaceship pride it does <laughs> it does do a lot of spaceship stuff it has space bottles but for a long time it is like a statue in the park for pigeons to to roost on i think that gives it style points does it need pride when it can blow you up john uh, it, i i'll have to add that this one tends to kind of get blown up a little bit too well sometimes you know it goes out in a blaze of glory sir <laughs> The, the Macross SDF-1. All right. It is a spaceship and it is, well, it looks like a robot. John might argue about the whether it is. <laughs> Flies through space. Flies through space. It's a spaceship. I'm, let's not talk about whether it's a robot or not. That's a different podcast. <laughs> Please. Uh, okay. So, Brian, it's your turn for your first round pick. What do you have? Well, I uh, would like to open by cursing Monty for taking my number one pick. <laughs> and I would also... <laughs> That's how it works in the draft. Yay. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. The draft. The draft. So, uh, my first pick is going to be uh, from the sci-fi series The Expanse and first appearing in Leviathan Wakes. Uh, former MCRN ship The Rosinante, commandeered by James Holden and his lovely crew of compatriots bringing them on adventures th- all throughout the galaxy for hire doing whatever they want drinking all over uh, <laughs> fred johnson station and all these other wonderful things taking them 
all the way out into the expanse, if you read that far. Uh, the other reason this uh, ship means so much to me is because I uh, lived for six months in Brooklyn in a uh, a room that I could not stand up in. It barely fit my bed. And as that, I was going through the expanse audiobooks. Uh, I got through that relatively difficult living situation by imagining I was on a spaceship uh, as the mm-hmm. Rosinante and pretending that the confined quarters I was living in was a necessity of the ship flying through space and not having to take up that much space. So for me, the Rosinante, as well as being a kick-ass ship, is uh, meaningful to me in that way as well. The Rosinante. You know you could pick something with legroom, right? <laughs> I could, but you know... <laughs> The common areas have some leg room, but the uh, mm-hmm. the I, I had this on my list too. I think I think the Rosinante is one of the stars of those of those books. I like that it's secondhand. That they basically end up with a Martian Navy ship, and they're like, "Yeah, this is going to be ours now," and they make it theirs. <laughs> Occasionally, they stick things on the outside of it to make it look like it's some other ship, but it's not. It's the Rosinante, um, and it serves them well. And, and it is definitely one of the characters, along with all the uh, people in the book. Uh, the Rosinante always a character in that in that book series, and fun to see it portrayed on, on TV too. I think that's a great pick, Brian. And one of my uh, favorite subplots in the uh, in the books is at one point the MCRN threatens to take it back and, uh, you know, looters rights and everything comes into it. And I thought that was really fascinating because, hey, it's their ship now. They really come to own it, even though it is once the Martian fleets put a lot of money into that ship. They don't want to give it back now. No, of course not. They got at least several more books. All right. The Resonante from The Expanse. That's a good pick. Good pick. All right, so uh, in what will probably be a surprise to no one since I had the last pick in this round, I am going to pick the NCC-1701. No bloody A, B, C, or D. (laughs) The original series Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, When I was a kid, we went to the Air and Space Museum and I saw the original Star Trek model of the Enterprise hanging in a like a doorway, basically. And I remember that 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 memory. I must have been like seven years old. I remember that clearly. They recently refurbished that model and it's now on display. Uh, When they got it, they were like, what is this? It's a TV model. They just kind of hung it somewhere and forgot about it. And now they restored it. It's now on display. They put like new like LED lights in because the old lights would probably set it on fire eventually. Um, And it's kind of uh, great that it's there. But my, my point is, I don't remember anything else from the Air and Space Museum except the Enterprise. All the real spaceships and other amazing aeronautic and astronautic craft, meh, meh, is the Enterprise. Uh, from Star Trek, and I love that uh, ship. I've loved it since I was a little kid, and uh, I will always love it. Uh, No holodecks. I would say that's a feature. Food slots are available (laughs) to give you chicken sandwiches, coffee, and meatloaf from time to time Mm -hmm. if you you would like them. Uh, There are Jeffrey's tubes to crawl in, ample number of transporter rooms available, some sweet, (laughs) uh, sweet shuttlecraft in the, down in the shuttle bay if you'd like to go down there, and, uh, you know, other, other stuff, uh, what more? What more do you want? There's a there's a rec room too. I hear. So the Enterprise One Seven Zero One is my three dimensional chess set. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. There's lots of games. There's lots of games. There's some there's some musical instruments you can jam out with space hippies <laughs> if you want to. Sure. Yeah. No bathrooms, right? There um there are not as many as there should be, but they are available just off camera. Okay. For, for those who need them. Also, the sound effects are great. Lots of boops and beeps. Which is uh, and lots of switches, lots of physical switches. Which, as we know from many tech podcasts that will tell us this, having fi- physical switches when you're when you're driving is way better than having a touchscreen. It would be nice if they were labeled, though. The color labels them. 
<laughs> red or blue. Yeah. Red or blue. Switch the blue. <laughs> and you also get uh, floppy disks that you can you can take around uh, the the data tapes. Um, yeah, to, data tapes. to queue up. They're and, and someone can hand you a clipboard um, uh-huh. that you can you can look at the log and your your cup of coffee in a paper cup. Yeah, uh-huh. salads. Salads. Oh man, the salads. <laughs> Try, yeah, went on the Enterprise One Seven Zero One. Try the salad bar. I recommend it, and so does Doctor McCoy. So there, that's my pick. Now, before we go to round two, let's do an ad. How about that? I want to tell you about Zombies Run, the virtual race. They're our sponsor this week. We all know that running is a great way to get fit, but it also can be incredibly boring. I, my, I, I'm crying out for diversion and distraction and entertainment when I'm running. And this is a virtual race that makes running truly fun. Wherever you are in the world, you head out to run a 5 or 10K with your headphones in. As you run, the app will immerse you in a thrilling audio story that's especially designed to match the distance you're running. Zombies will be coming close on your heels and you'll need to run. You'll be breaking into a vault that is vital to the survival of humanity. There will be ways for you to run further and faster than you ever thought you could because you'll be motivated by the entertaining story that's going on in your ears. You're not just running around the park with the Zombies Run virtual race. You are running to save the world. Your entry gets you a thrilling audio adventure series. It takes you from the start of your training right through to the end of the race. You'll also get a prospect technical running tee, a finisher's medal, and a whole bunch of other great gear. And it costs only $55, which is way cheaper and more fun than a gym membership. Enter the Zombies Run virtual race today at zombiesvirtualrace.com and use coupon code INCOMPARABLE to get $5 off your entry. Thanks to Zombies Run, the virtual race, for sponsoring the Incomparable. We have selected spaceships, so I guess we're done now? No, let's do it again. <laughs> Joe, what's another spaceship that you would like to select? Well, I'm kind of surprised he didn't go in the first round, so I feel like I gotta take it now, and that's the Bird of Prey. Now, there are many to choose from, because it's been featured a bunch of times since the original incarnation, um, but I don't like the bridge on the original incarnation in Star Trek Three because they reuse the set from some other movie, and then they stack sandwich boxes on the wall. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go uh, with the... Uh, uh, redress of the star trek 4 bridge of the redress of the star trek 5 bridge of the redress of the star trek 6 bridge of the redress of the generations bridge which is uh eventually the iks rotaran general martok's ship in uh deep space 9 so it's got all the advantages of a nice clean updated interior even though it's a 200 something year old ship uh and it's a it's got that cool klingon styling on the outside and cloaking device the Klingons don't um, waste ship designs. They just keep them going for a long time. A very long time. They gotta write the first yeah, time. Yeah, it's kind of like you, you can't top it. Yeah. You know, the the history of the Klingon uh, bird of prey is confusing because I, I think didn't wasn't it originally like the Romulans had the bird of prey, but then they like they had they had uh, they couldn't afford new models so then every they, they said well the klingons and the romulans totally share ships that's what they do they totally do that and then uh, it became this thing but with star trek in star trek 3 the bird of prey really became a character and then we saw it again and again after that after it was in star trek 3 even though there were sandwich boxes because yeah. the uh the first time they hinted at the technology swap was the enterprise incident where they wanted to use the klingon models um instead right. of the romulan models <laughs> third season star trek oh <laughs> All the Romulans had uh, Klingon ships, uh, an important plot development, uh, and it wasn't. But they had a, they had a model they could sell you. But the uh, the the 
eventually in the story, there was going to be like this whole convoluted thing about how uh, Krug was going to steal a Romulan bird of prey so that he could go do this mission. But then they're just like, we don't need any of that. So it's just a Klingon bird of prey now. Yeah. Um, and and I think it, it works out fine because it looks looks cool. Hey, there's a whole Star Trek movie where all of the principals are flying in a in that ship, right? I mean that that Star Trek Four they they don't have an Enterprise, they have a Klingon bird of prey, and they do just fine. They remember where they park. They park it in San Francisco. They get back to it later. It's got a cloaking device. It's very useful. That's right. Well, I still think they smell though. They must smell. <laughs> Well, and the Klingon food packs give you a sour Racism. stomach. Racism. Oh. What? There are targs running around on those things. It's called spacism. Oh, I see. Thank <laughs> you. Space racism. Who doesn't like a <laughs> steaming pile of targ poop? Anyway, John Syracuse, <laughs> you're next. What do you have? So I know earlier I made some comments about other people picking spaceships that have a bad habit of blowing up, but I'm going to make an exception for my next pick. Uh, my second mm. pick, I choose the Death Star. Yay. Star Wars, <laughs> which it is not a moon. They call no. it a space station, but really it's a spaceship. It flies around. It has very variable speed, seemingly. It can go from star system to star system, but then takes a long time to do orbital insertion around another planet. But um, specifically, since you're doing all this business with picking every single Enterprise with a different letter after the name, I'm actually picking the Death Star 2, the unfinished one uh, from Return of the Jedi for a couple of reasons. It's fully functional. Right. Or exactly. fully operational. Yeah. So first of all, it is fully operational d- despite that. the appearance. Second of all, it is more powerful than the original. But, but John, the Death Star 1 actually blew up planets. Death Star 2 never blew up any planets. Right, no, well, well, listen, listen. The first one could be killed with a single shot from the outside. The second one requires incredible piloting skill to yeah. get to the middle of it through a very windy passages with lots of tubes and pipes and everything. And then multiple ships have to make to the middle and blow it up and then have to get out alive. It's much harder. I mean, you could say the deaths are easy to blow up, like, oh, you should have better defenses. They worked on it. They improved it. You know, it was pretty good for a second attempt. I also think it looks cooler uh, than the other one. Uh, and it's got that cool th- throne room where I can sit in the like the big emperor chair and like cackle and look out the big spider web window. Uh, it's pretty nice right up to the point where it blows up, but it would be worth it. Yeah, I mean, it, you'd have to have like an army of teddy bears to take that thing down because it has a <laughs> it has a totally impenetrable shield except for that one minor little flaw. That's right. You need the teddy bears too to even get to the point where your skilled pilots could fly through the the. Uh all the pipes and tubes and everything. So it's much harder to kill than the first one. Well, I had the Death Star on my list, too. I think it is a classic, iconic uh, space, you know, space ship, space station, whatever it may be. It is it is iconic. And and, uh, and we the question we all still have to ask, though, is why does the Death Star have a hole? We may never know. Anyway, Scott, <laughs> it's time for your choice. What do you have for us? Well, I am tempted to pick uh, a different... Klingon bird of prey. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll save that for later. Oh, yes, an, alter, an alternate version of something previously picked. That wouldn't be like you at all. No, uh, because I do have on my list a very specific bird of prey. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will pick uh, something that the first time you see it, it is shocking. Uh, and to all Star Trek fans, it is... Don't you do uh, it. Don't you do a, it. A, a ominous... Uh, box of uh, cybernetic uh, menace. I am picking the Borg cube, uh, which says, hey, we're in space. Why do we need to be aerodynamic? Let's just make a cube and be done with it. (laughs) 
later on we'll have a sphere. It'll be fine. We like our geometry. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so and, and the first time I saw it uh, in uh, the, the Next Generation episode, uh, I was just like, what the heck is that? That looks unlike any spaceship I have ever seen, uh, although very similar to uh, D6. So uh, I felt uh, a kinship to it. So the Borg Cube, uh, your biological and technological distinctiveness will service the collective. Now, don't you have to be a Borg if this is on your team? I am the Borg King. Or there's, you know, there's there's nanoviruses and things like that. But the Borg Cube, that is, uh, I remember seeing that in the, what, Q Who episode and thinking, wow, what a great idea. Like, it's so alien in that it doesn't have any of the aerodynamics that they always design into ships unnecessarily in uh, sci-fi movies and TV shows. Um, and it was on my list too. I think that's a great choice. I I, uh, I I always have liked the Borg cube, the Borg sphere, which can be ejected from a Borg cube. An interesting wrinkle, but you got to go classic, <laughs> I think, with the Borg cube. Does this mean that the uh, Power Mac G4 cube is off the table, or can we still pick that? It, only if it uh, flew in space, Brian. But then <sighs> then it would okay. be available. It's also not actually a cube shape, so yeah, it's even on the table <laughs> shape wise. That's true. Uh, but uh, Scott, are you picking the? The one from First Contact, or are you picking the one from the Battle of Wolf 359, or are you packing, picking oh the, the original Q-Who one? Uh, I think I'll go with the original Q-Who one. I do like the First Contact cubes. They they look a little spiffier, I will admit, uh, but uh, we have to keep it classic. I, I think I think I'm going to grant Scott the entire Borg Cube class, as it yes. were. <laughs> Nobody pick extra Borg Cubes. We're just, they all look the same. Come on. Well, <laughs> speaking of racism... <laughs> Uh, okay, Erica, what, uh, we, we had a lot of Star Trek and, uh, Star Wars here. Uh, help us out. I bet you've got something else. Please. You bet I do. All right. Yes. Uh, you're talking about, uh, aerodynamic. I'm going to pick a ship that's not particularly aerodynamic, um, but it is, it is a hearty ship that can run almost forever. And that would be the Jupiter Mining Corporation ship, Red Dwarf. Mm. Yes. It, uh, it, it looks kind of weird. It's got some asteroids sort of attached to its sides because it's mining. Uh, I feel like this is important for my fleet to be able to get some raw materials when I need them to uh, bring them in with Red Dwarf. And yeah, the weird scoop looking thing on the front that doesn't look like it could actually scoop up anything. Um, that is scooping up hydrogen, I think it is, so that it can just keep keep going forever so like at the beginning of the show red dwarf it's it's been going for three million years already and obviously needs very little maintenance because at that point all it has are a few scudders which are pretty much crap at everything um when it comes right down to it plus you get uh you get some some fun companions to to travel around with when i when i get bored of the doctor's wackiness and the tardis i can go and have some completely different wackiness um and i know that Crichton will always be there to do my laundry so basically all of my chores are done i mean i could actually just Pop him over to the TARDIS from time to time and have him clean mm. my rooms there. It would be really wonderful. And, you know, I could always have uh, Lister make me curry anytime I wanted it. And, yeah. And I would have to avoid the cat most of the time because, God, that would be so annoying. And yeah. And then we'd have Rimmer, who's my favorite. Ah, uh, so, yes. Yeah. Space he's, crush. He's a, he's a hologram. Hard mm-hmm. light hologram, though. A so. hard light hologram. Yes. Totally different. Yep. Just like the, uh, just like the, uh, what's it's the doctor from Star Trek Voyager. Hard light holograms. When is a hologram not a hologram? Never. It's always a hologram. Is the answer there? <laughs> Whoa. All right. I wasn't expecting that. You see, Jason, there's a light beam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. The red dwarf. That's a, that, that's a great one. We were just talking about red dwarf and look, here it is in the draft. Here Amazing. Mm-hmm. Monty, what do you have? Um, 
a variety of questionable choices. <laughs> that sums up your life, Monty. Hey. Uh, I'm going to go to the world of literature, i.e. books. Literature. What? I'm going to pick Dora, who is Lazarus Long's ship. Oh, wow. From the books Time Enough for Love and The Number of the Beast. And I think To Sail Beyond the Sunset, although I can't remember whether she actually appears in that. Um, she's a ship designed for luxury, which I like very much. And mm -hmm. also she has a sassy personality built in. Not your HAL 9000 personalities that try to kill you, but just enough of a personality to harass Lazarus and tell him when he's being dumb. All right. I, I don't know if I've read any of those books. Uh, I would recommend Time Enough for Love. All right. But not Number of the Beast? Uh, I like one? Number of the Beast. Hardly anybody else does. Ah, I see. All right. What 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 else do we know about? So is Dora the ship or the or the intelligence, or are they kind of intertwined? They are intertwined. Um, if you like, you could pretend that Dora is piloting the ship, but actually Lazarus does a lot of the piloting, and it seems like Dora is just there to keep him company. Uh, Dora conceives of herself as the ship. I think at some point mm. she gets downloaded into a body and to sail beyond the sunset or something, but that doesn't matter. Does she do a lot of exploring? <laughs> In principle, yes, she does. Swiper, no swiping. And she never has to check a map, so don't say map. <laughs> Okay, Chip, what's your choice? I'm going to go with the Cheyenne dropship from Aliens. Mm -hmm. This is not the Sulaco, which is a very impressive looking ship, but it is what the Marines use to get down to the planet. Um, and there is just something so cool about an entirely aerodynamically impossible badass helicopter in space basically that has fold out wings that fold out when it's flying through the atmosphere and it would just shear them off and just die everywhere but that scene is so cool in the movie and that ship um just really sells the whole uh the whole marines in space kind of thing um the fact that it is so cool you have to wear ray-bans to be its pilot in the in, in the far off future it's um it's it's one of those moments in that movie that possibly left too big a mark on um, uh, young dateless males of my generation who watched this movie and uh, got all kinds of bad ideas about what it was like to be in the military in uh, science fiction uh, stories. But the Cheyenne dropship, um, it just looks so damn cool. And what a heck of a ride. Oh. Somebody wake up, Hicks. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice reference. Uh, all right, Brian, it's to you. What do you have for us? I would like, if I may, oh, this was to on take my list. you <laughs> on a strange journey. After a night of debauchery and singing and dancing and a weird sci-fi monster that comes to life somehow through the magic of watercolor paints, <laughs> the castle in the 1975 movie, The Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> takes off from planet Earth. And flies back through space and perhaps even through time itself. Back to the galaxy of transsexual in the planet Transylvania. There you have it, the Rocky Horror Picture Show castle. That's wow. a luxury spaceship. This draft is over. He just won it. Monty, you said you had that. Were you planning that one too? That's what I couldn't decide on just now. <laughs> that is amazing, Brian. I that okay, yes, you get a gold star for that one. Completely unexpected. <laughs> now, it bothers me that there isn't a floor anymore because Brad and Janet are left on the ground 
which I think means they just took off without the foundation. No, no, no. They uh, escape the mansion. Uh, they get out, uh, them and Dr. Scott, oh, scuttle right. off onto the lawn, and i guessing the uh, propellers isn't the wrong word, uh, turbine, whatever, jet, fire, spouts, uh, below the mansion scorch them, and then they sing one last song all together about superheroes. Hmm. Okay. I've seen this movie so many times. Not that you haven't, Monty. I know you have, but believe me. <laughs> you just stop paying attention after a while. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to, with my um, with my pick at the, to end the second round of our spaceship draft, I am going to pick uh, something from Babylon 5, because I feel mm. like Babylon 5's spaceship designs are not uh, as appreciated as they should be. Uh, in particular, one of my favorite sci-fi TV spaceship designs ever is the Minbari War Cruiser. They're kind of oh, blue. Crossing that off my list. They're kind of blue. <laughs> They're really tall and thin. They're like a tropical fish. Um, and I think it's a really great design. Like they're, they're this. We see so many spaceship designs that are horizontal. Um, or or that 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 run lengthwise, and these are tall, narrow ships um, when they fly around. I mean, I know there are no directions in space, but the way that everything is shot and oriented, you don't see them as like flying saucer-like things. They're these things that look like blue, bright tropical fish flying through space, blowing things up, saving the day, com- uh, and uh, piloted by aliens with big bones coming out of their heads. Just as a bonus, there's places you can sleep, although you may have to sleep at an angle. Uh, the bridges <laughs> com- bridges are comfortable. Uh, there are lots of places you can uh, you can hang out with uh, with Mimbari. They're very interesting conversationalists. But really, it's for the outside look of it. It it, it looks unlike any uh, other TV uh, or movie spaceship I can think of. And uh, I every time I see them on Babylon Five, I love them. Um, and a little honorable mention for there's an episode where we see a previous generation of Mimbari war cruisers, and they're and they're visibly older, and they're all kind of rounded, and they're very clearly the same style but older and i thought that was a, a beautiful piece of uh of art direction as well so but uh, i'm picking the the modern by babylon five terms mimbari war Cru- cruiser they're so pretty they also pack a real punch too i mean if you want like pure destructive power that's that's a good way to go they're going to take over the earth i mean right uh, until they surrender uh for other yeah. reasons they're going to go all the way to earth and 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 defeat the the earth in the earth mimbari war and then they don't easily like through tissue paper and they're silent but deadly they are silent but deadly it's true um and uh, there's there are some key scenes where mimbari war cruisers appear in babylon 5 and you just kind of want to stand up and cheer because it's like yay the fish have come the space fish are here to save everyone (laughs) it's the best all right so that's my uh that's my babylon 5 pick there okay we are at the third round we are making good time here joe give us another spaceship Okay, this one's tough. There's a lot of directions to go now, because mm-hmm. uh, the things that I feel super strongly about uh, are, are mostly taken care of, but I, I kind of want to make sure that nobody takes this one, and I'm a little worried, based on a reference someone made at the beginning of the recording, that somebody will, so I'm going to pick the NSEA protector. No, it's on my list. Oh, it's on my list. Yes. <laughs> gotcha, Brian. No, but uh, the uh, the uh, NSEA protector is from one of my favorite films, and I love watching Galaxy Quest. Uh, it has... A minor blemish from leaving uh, Dry Dock. Yes. Uh, it, it, it it is an interesting ship design in that it's Star Trekky without necessarily being of Star Trek, and it is uh, uh, got a cool little bridge that pops off for reasons. Yep. Um, and uh, it, it also has the Omega Thirteen, just in case you know you make a mistake, you overcook your pasta, you uh, need to make sure that you you don't 
have somebody die. Don't forget the chompers. Wound. It's also got the chompers. <laughs> well, I'm not really planning on <laughs> don't go down there. The self destruct. No. Yeah. Um, but but hopefully you know the checksums will remain valid, and I won't mm. have to worry about that. Uh, but the the, uh, the the ships, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I love it. So I'm gonna I'm picking that one. It kind of looks like a horseshoe, but in a good way. <laughs> Like My it. favorite thing about that ship is that um, at the end of the movie, when they're frantically racing through, no one knows how the ship works because they're all actors. So mm. they had to radio back to Earth uh, to get somebody who actually get, knows what they're doing with the ship. To help them, yeah. it, it, it's one of my favorite little plot twists in a movie when um, they're able to get a fan to be able to help them out that way. And it worked really well. That's why it was on my list. That's why we all had the technical manual for Star Trek or Star Wars when we were kids, right? Because in case we were... We need to be like Justin Long in Galaxy Quest and help out. Okay, John, there's a lot of really good Star Wars stuff still out there. I'm kind of shocked. I almost picked a Star Wars thing last round, and I decided, you know, John's probably going to pick all the Star Wars things. So, uh, I, I, you may, you know, are you picking a Star Wars thing, or have I just uh, steered you wrong? That was one possible strategy I had. I realized I could just pick Star Wars things for the whole, <laughs> the entire draft. But I decided I wanted to mix it up a oh, little bit. And actually, nice. I'm jumping. I'm jumping some ships in my order here because I'm now that I'm looking over this list, it's really kind of unordered. I want to pull something up from the bottom up to the top, not because I think other people will get it, but just because I don't know how many rounds will go, and I think this. This ship deserves it. This is the jewel of the Star League, the Gun Star, no! uh, Starfighter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, this was a very interesting ship design. Very you interesting, bastard. very interesting mix of typical sci-fi ship with just enough of NASA thrown in to make you believe that really the Star League is out there and that playing video games may be an audition for you to pilot this thing. Um, and they spend a lot of. They spend a lot of time in this ship, like, that it's not easy to pilot. You have to learn how to do it. You have to go through training both on the ground and in the ship. And it's got your cool, you got your co-pilot, your lizard guy behind you. That's cool. It's got your cool secret weapon with uh, death blossoms, which is just like a little extra thing that you weren't aware that your ship had. It's experimental, might not work, you know. Uh, it's kind of silly in action, but, you know. Um, but no, I just think it looks super cool. And I really hope they remake this movie at some point because uh, what they did with this ship and limited or no texture mapping and incredibly time-consuming rendering was amazing and it really dazzled me in a similar way that star wars dazzled me like you know in that i knew this you know they, they were doing this in computers and, and it was impressive and i really like it it's super cool that ship violated gloriously every possible <laughs> law of physics it's no physics in space. Isn't that yeah, how space man. works? That's what I'm led to believe. It it would have shaken itself apart. It would have blown itself apart. I, I love that thing so much. God, John, I hate you. <laughs> this is why we do drafts, is for people to be mad when people take other people's uh, spaceships. Well, you should have got a higher score in that game machine, and maybe you could have been yours. <laughs> All right, Scott. John has steered away from Star Wars. Are you going to pick another ship from Star Trek? Well, I... I... I have one Star Wars ship on my list, uh, oh. but I'm not going to pick it okay. uh, ah. yet. <laughs> I'm going to keep it close to my heart for mm -hmm. some reason. Uh, I will pick. Uh, I will. I will also. I will join Monty and jump 
into uh, literature huh. uh, and pick uh, a ship from a series of books oh, uh, by Ian M. Oh, Banks. Scott. Mm. Uh, <laughs> now you're sniping me here. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know uh, which one you're going to pick because there are a lot of ships in the culture. Yeah. Uh, the culture has uh, – the culture series is, is one of the things that it's known for is uh, the interesting names for many of the ships. Uh, and in many of the books, the ships are in fact characters because they all have uh, minds, mm-hmm. uh, at least one of them. Some of them have three or four of them that control the aspects of their uh, their functions. The ships uh, vary a wide range of sizes. There are ships that have millions of people that are on them to tiny little ships that have no people on them. I am picking uh, a medium systems vehicle, which is the second wow. largest. The largest is the general systems ve- uh, vehicle, as I'm sure everyone knows. Uh, mm-hmm. It is called A Fine Disregard for Awkward Facts, and it appears in uh, the novel The Hydrogen Sonata, uh, which is a, v- a fine book, so everyone should read it. Uh, and, and that is my my pick, just because... I like the name. I was going to. I had on my list. I won't pick it now since since you picked that. But I had a. I had the GSV on my list because I think the GSV itself is such a fascinating ship. There are a lot of great spaceships in the culture, but GSVs that have like billions of people living on them. They're like planets mm-hmm. that fly around in space, or, and, and they have oceans have and mines. things. It's crazy. Yes. Ah, Ian Banks. Look at that. Well, I'm glad that you went to literature. Somebody had to. Erica, what would you like to pick next? Well, I've been debating going toward another property that that I feel very strongly about, but I think my next pick just has to be based on the ship itself and how freaking cool I think the ship is. And so I'm sticking in the Red Dwarf universe because in my favorite episode of Red Dwarf, Hollow Ship, there is a sweet ship called the Enlightenment, which is a hologrammatic ship. It doesn't have any mass or volume. It is apparently composed entirely of tachyons, and it has the ability to travel many multiples of the speed of light. Uh, It can make wormholes instantaneously, take you from point to point, Um, and they are only allowed to have a crew of 2,000, all holograms. Um, so I feel like this is sort of my retirement policy. <laughs> uh, when Whenever one of my other ships eventually gets blown up and, and I'm on it, uh, I will be constantly sort of saving my, my mind print so that I can be brought back on the hollow ship. And the hollow ship's pretty sweet. I mean, once you're there, uh, they just ship well. <laughs> Okay, ship regulations do stipulate you have to have sex twice a day. I feel like that might be a little bit excessive. It's just like the Borg cube. <laughs> yes. What does day mean? In the this? days are very I'm long. Days are very long. <laughs> but the uh, but you could but as a hologram, um, <clears throat> you can touch everything else on the ship. It being hologrammatic, so eating, drinking, you know, exercising, swimming, all that kind of stuff. They have they have all the the latest amenities and all that kind of stuff. And you're practically indestructible. You don't really have to worry too much because there's very little. That's that's physical about this ship, and yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I feel like it's a it's a nice mesh with uh, with the Red Dwarf because then Arnold Rimmer could finally get the place that he deserves. Well, sort of um, on the Hollow Ship, and then I would probably just take one of those other two thousand uh, crew members, and I would probably have uh, have them cycle out, and and somebody would have to always be on Red Dwarf to sort of keep an eye on those guys because I just wouldn't trust them by themselves. So I would have one of the very very smart, capable holograms from the Enlightenment oh. take over there for a while. But it would we would have to swap them out because anybody smart and capable would not last very long on Red Dwarf without going completely insane. Mm. So. That's true. That's my plan. 
just a lot of love for Red Dwarf here. Surprising. <laughs> yes, Surprises I, me. It surprised me a little bit, but it's true. All true. All right, Monty, what do you have? Well, I want to have fun with my spaceships. You know, I got the satellite of love for relaxing and watching movies with my robot pals. La la got, la. Thank you. <laughs> I got Dora, who is a pal. But I ask myself, what spaceship is the most pure fun? What do I associate with fun? So I'm going to pick the rocket that you're riding when you're on Space Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so this is obviously a starship. You're zooming around space, dodging asteroids and stuff. Um, I think you're still in Florida. <laughs> nope, nope, you're totally in California. But anyway, yes, I will allow it. The rocket that is the, that is the roller coaster in Space Mountain. Woohoo! Wow, J- Jason's just looking for new podcasts to spin off. Monty, I think I think you mean. <laughs> All I know is I don't gotta wait in no lines. Ah, okay. The dance, the robot is. Ne- I mean, <laughs> Space Mountain <laughs> rocket. Oh, I got worse. I'm sure you do. Uh, it's on the board, Chip. What do you have? I am going to go to the pinnacle of modular spacecraft technology i'm going to go back to the year 1983 and i choose the legoland space galaxy commander wow this is a classic space set uh it uh combines into multiple different forms it's it's a big ship that comes with five of those little red yellow and white classic space men um, it's got a back section with a slide out lab module. It was big and it was, it, and it was expansive and it was probably in, it was probably super expensive as mm-hmm. Lego has become over the long. And it was the last really big, really cool Legoland space thing before Lego started, uh, abandoning the whole, um, we're all space explorers thing and started giving them enemies and just sort of surrendering to the GI Joeification of toys and things like that. But, um, for 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 people of a certain generation, that mess of Lego back then was a wonderful creative outlet for getting into um for 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 playing and getting into and role playing the whole the space stuff that we were mm. watching on movie movie screens and uh, television. So this was the this was the best of them, and it made my heart sing when Benny showed up in the Lego movie and all of that nostalgia for those old Lego space toys uh, uh, became a part of, uh, became a really big and important part of that movie. So the Lego land space galaxy commander item number six, nine, eight, zero. Thank you. I'll put that in the catalog, put it on your wish list. Brian, it's your turn. What's your third selection? Well, uh, I'm, I didn't even put this on my list because I thought it would be taken in the first round, a la Enterprise and Millennium Falcon. But here we are, third round. I thought, why not pick the Firefly ah, class Brian, Serenity? Right in front it's of me. It's the third oh, round, Jason. You only have yourself to blame. You only have noise. yourself to blame. Oh, Brian. Oh, man. How, what can I say about this? Uh, Twelve episodes in a movie is not enough time to spend on this glorious, glorious ship, uh, captained by Nathan Fillion et al. And... Uh, Jason, curse your sudden my su- Jason, <laughs> curse my sudden but inevitable betrayal all you want, but here I am adding uh, serenity to my fleet. 
It's a great choice. Uh, one of my favorite things about that ship, not only I, I really like that show a lot, but they built the ship as the set. It's a multi-level set, I believe, and uh, you get the feeling of it as a real place in that show, which is something that, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to do because it's a TV spaceship, but you really feel the geography and the lived-in nature of uh, of Serenity when you're watching Firefly. I think it's a great choice. Yeah, you, you get to see people like kind of going from room to room through corridors. You know, I, I love the uh, their bunks where they sort of you know the door sort of kicks out and they take an, a, a ladder down to get to get into their rooms. And the fact that you know it's a smuggling ship and it can do stuff like pull a crazy Ivan. It's versatile. Yeah, it's got a nice family style table where everyone can eat together. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's very pleasant. It's got a cool profile. It looks neat. Yeah. It looks like a Firefly for some reason. I wonder why they didn't end it with that, but mm. okay. Interesting. That's the whole class is Firefly. <laughs> so I guess the exactly, first one exactly. was probably the Firefly. And then after that, they had to give them different names. All right. Uh, well, Brian ruined everything there. So <laughs> um, with my pick, this podcast I, is over. I am going, seriously, I'm going to go to literature too, just again because I want to cla- join uh, join a couple of our other panelists in classing this thing up a little bit with some 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 book spaceships. I am picking with my third selection the Justice of Torin, which oh, is a spaceship oh. from the Imperial Raj. It is a it is a spaceship that I feel like I got to know because the AI or at least a portion of the AI that was the Justin of Justice of Torin is Breck, the me- main character in Anne Leckie's series of books, ancillary books, starting with ancillary justice. Uh, so you get to know the ship as a character. Ships are AIs. They are, they are uh, sentient creatures, uh, even though they're computers that run spaceships. And by the, in the, in the plot of the book, the, the, um, the ship is blown up. Uh, but one of the ancillaries, which is a human body containing the mind or portions of the mind of the, the artificial intelligence of the spaceship, survives and has to deal with being by itself and not in a ship anymore which i think is really interesting and in flashback we get to see how these ships work and they're they're also very interesting although also sort of populated by zombie slave labor which is not so awesome um but the it's not the ai's fault they were born into it i was gonna say those ships are a little problematic but they are cool they are cool but they yeah it's not it's not the ship's fault right But I feel like I've gotten to know that ship in a way that that, uh, we don't normally get to know a spaceship because it's the main character in an entire trilogy of science fiction novels, that (laughs) that spaceship. So, yeah, Ancillary Justice. Check it out. I will ask you one question, though, and that is, what does it look like? I don't know. It's a spaceship. It's cool. It's got lots of levels. And, <laughs> what do you think it looks like? And stuff. And it's got right. a really smart uh, AI that's in a bunch of uh, zombie alien or zombie human bodies. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. When they make the movie, Joe, a very clever art director will come up with a beautiful design for it. I'm sure. All right. Uh, let's do one more round before we bring out our dad. Whoa. Joe? (gasps) Well, uh, there is one sci-fi series that I feel like I need to get into this, and uh, I was thinking long and hard about the cool ships that are in the sci-fi series. Uh, One of the notable things is, of course, the uh, Beliskner in Stargate uh, vaporizing a bunch of gold pyramids on the the ground when they shouldn't be there. And it's like, oh, wow, that's a a neat visual for two seconds, and it doesn't do that much more. Uh, And then I was thinking, well... What's the coolest, like the penultimate ship in Stargate? And I would have to say that it's uh, the Atlantis, the the actual snowflake city thing, is a is a ship that flies around. Sometimes when it has power, uh, it's a little uh, problematic that way. Uh, but uh, that 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 would definitely be my pick for for that from from Stargate. Stargate Atlantis, not 
not my favorite of the Stargates. <laughs> but you're right that it, it is an interesting, uh, the entire series, it's basically the city on this planet. And then, but it turns out it, it's a spaceship, which is a fun, mm-hmm. a fun little wrinkle. But it's got some engineering problems. It's old, though. I mean, it's kind of run down because it's been there so long that I think stuff is broken, That right? That's kind of why it can't fly around. Yeah, and there's a, you know, a couple labs where be careful if you open them because maybe the ancients were studying some sort of deadly secret that'll just vaporize you yeah. and kill you or wander around stalking people. Uh, so, you know... State of the common areas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hands and arms to yourself. Uh-huh. Remain indoors. And you get a Stargate so you can pop around wherever you want to go. That's true. That part, that feature is pretty awesome. Uh, okay, John, what do you have? I have a lot more ships on my list. Is yeah, what I, I know. Um, I know. Uh, if this is going to be the last uh, real pick, it's hard for me to choose, and it's uh, down to two. It is. I made a last-minute decision to uh, to go to go with my gut here and not pick the obvious one. I'm going to pick the Colonial Viper, mm. uh, and I'm picking that because I had a, a small obsession with this ship when I was a kid. I had one. I had a plastic, you know, a Viper toy from whatever the original Battlestar Galactica series yep. was, and we moved house at some point when I was young, and I lost it. <sighs> I lost that, and I lost a Stormtrooper Kenner figure, both of which were incredibly crushing. Um, but I replaced the Stormtrooper, but I never got another Viper. Uh, and the reason I picked it is I, I, I spent a lot of time drawing on my notebooks in school, drawing spaceships, and I drew the Viper a lot. Like, that was my most drawn ship, I think, for my during my spaceship drawing phase of my life uh and i got pretty good at drawing it i drew drew it i drew cutaways of it i drew the inside of the cockpit i drew everything about it even though like that you know so few scenes they would just reuse the footage over and over again in, in Battlestar. <laughs> um i was i was very obsessed with the machine this ship i think it's really neat and the specific model i'm picking is the viper mark ii from the new series from the rebooted uh Battlestar galactica that is when they showed like here's the old vipers from the first cylon war and their reimagining of what the old ones look like is what I remember the old ones looking like. When I go back and look at what they, they actually look like, they don't look right to me. So uh, that's a specific ship that I want. And I just think that is a uh, very iconic, simple ship. And obviously, there are many other similar iconic ships that I could have picked that were competing with. But I, I looked within myself and I said, what were you drawing in your notebooks most of the time? It oh, was yeah. Vipers. I love it. Wow. John, did your, did your toy Viper have the real shooty missiles or the... Uh, child safe ones. Child safe. Oh man, I'm so yeah. sorry. And so, and like I didn't know it was for child safety. All I know it was lame. So so my uh, my what do you call it? My uh, Cylon. Uh, the like the the disc shaped Cylon thing. Same thing. They would go pitifully, just come out at an extra quarter an inch and then just sit there. Uh, it's terrible. So you're not picking the Viper that has a motorcycle attached for Galactica 1980? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Aww. Still, still on the board. Uh, 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 Scott, what's your choice? I'll pick the Viper with the... Uh, no, um, I am tempted to pick a Star Trek ship, but I'm not going to. Uh, one of the things that uh, is problematic with uh, faster-than-light ships is that uh, if you're traveling that fast, uh, thanks to inertia... You will end up, uh, the crew will end up being goo, uh, right? So Star Trek solves this by inertial dampeners. Uh, other places just don't bother explaining it. Uh, Dan Simmons, uh, Hyperion Cantos, uh, which uh, is a, a set a series of books has, uh, a class of ships called the Archangel class oh, starship, yeah. uh, that solves this problem by, uh, 
you know, you, you do uh, become liquefied, uh, but luckily <laughs> you are in a resurrection crash. So at the end of your journey, you are resurrected uh, and you are reborn at the end of your, uh, your, your space flight. Uh, and so don't worry about us, you know, so oh. uh, that I pick the Archangel class starship. That ship sounds terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, it's awesome. you come back to life at the end. So, you know. Exactly. You don't, you don't, you don't remember any of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> except for the brief moments where you're liquefied. You remember that. But... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you remember the awful part. <laughs> you have a cross parasite thing on your chest. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the rest of your life. <laughs> you do have to have the cruciform on. Otherwise, you can't fly in the ship. Well, you know, details. It's, it's a condition. of <laughs> We all make sacrifices. Uh, that's a good one, Scott. Uh, Erica, what do you have? That was a good one. Hats off to you, Scott. Yeah. Hats off. Mm, thank you. Well, thinking about what I've got, I feel like I got a lot of kind of weird stuff, you know, <laughs> a hologrammatic ship, the TARDIS, which is just strange, you know, the Red Dwarf, which is kind of big and clunky. I feel like I need something that's a little more, you know, classic, like sports car spaceship, like, mm-hmm. you know, heroic, let's let's go and, and fight the bad guys. So I am going to uh, to go to another show that starts with a B and has a number, but it's actually Blake 7 not Babylon 5. Uh, and I'm going to pick The Liberator, which is the ship that they are on through the first three seasons of the show. Uh, it was actually an abandoned spacecraft found very mysteriously as our, our heroes were escaping from a prison that they did not long, uh, belong in. And it was just this super hot rod of a spaceship that they didn't quite understand because it was too far, like technically advanced for 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 that time. Basically, uh, they found one of the rooms was just full of treasure and fancy clothes and jewels and stuff, which, you know, that's always a nice thing to have on hand. Uh, it also has t- uh, transport technology, little bracelets you can put on and be transported down to the ship, which is not something that other ships in this universe at that time had. Uh, it also had an AI system. The computer calls itself Zen and has kind of just a, a very surly, grumpy voice. And when he doesn't agree with what he's being told to do, we'll often just give the uh, give the crew the cold shoulder, just not answer questions and not talk to them for a while i appreciate a computer with a uh, with a little bit of personality like that but when it comes down to it the liberator is way faster than any of the federation ships that it's that's battling or trying to get away from uh and it's just it's just kind of a, a cool place to be great medical technology great speed um and and yeah until it uh, gets eaten by like bacteria or something it's, it's it has a very disgusting end, probably the most disgusting end of any spaceship i've ever seen but until that point it's fantastic blake seven you didn't let me down erica you're all over the place you got some doctor who some red dwarf some blake seven amazing well it's not that far over the place no wonder yeah. they made her move to canada <laughs> it's all from one <laughs> tiny island really it's exactly. true it's true monty what do you have I'm going to need a ruling on this because this is a ship that has never actually went into space and did not, in fact, have the engines. But I would like to pick the Space Shuttle Enterprise. Mm. For sentimental reasons, Jason, I would allow it. No, it's a spaceship. (laughs) It just didn't. It's like saying it's not a car if you never drive it out of the factory. It's still a car as it's sitting. All right. right? I'll give it to you. Yes, Monty. Then my pick is uh, Orbital Vehicle Designation OV-101, the Space Shuttle Enterprise which has the distinction of having been named after a fictional spaceship that then, in the world of that spaceship, the fictional spaceship is then named after this space shuttle, which I think is fascinating. It Mm. was going to be named something else, but nerds, even back in the 1970s, knew what was up and got a petition together and said, Dear NASA, we hear you're going into space again. Call it the Enterprise, please. 
And NASA, also nerds, said, yeah, you're right, let's do that. Unfortunately, they didn't save their uh, their gunpowder for one of the ships that actually went into space. <laughs> That's always the sad part of that story. But it is true. There's that scene in, is it the motion picture where there's uh, the models of the various spaceships and Captain Kirk says, all of these ships have borne the name Enterprise. Yeah, yeah there is a pencil drawing. Ah, that's uh, it. Yeah, I think Jeffries drew all of them, but I'm not entirely sure. Like, there's one that's like a weird hoop with a with like a line through it. Um, ignore that one. <laughs> but the name Enterprise goes back to the British fleet. Hmm. Like, there are tall ships that sailed with sails called the Enterprise. That name successfully makes it all the way into Star Trek, uninterrupted because of this space shuttle. And I'm pleased to pick an actual nearly spaceship. Yep. Very nice. See if that for the ocean liner draft, Monty. Come on. <laughs> uh, Chip, what do you have? Uh, tough choices all around left on my list, but I think I'm going to go with my heart and um, talk about another multitasking ship uh, that didn't turn into a robot, but it was still a big battleship, and it when it, when called upon, it could also be a really, really big gun. And I'm talking about the space battleship Yamato, also known in the U.S. as the Argo on Star Blazers. Mm-hmm. Um, that was... Uh, that was the the space opera cartoon of the yes. 1970s and it was on my uh, list and, chip i applaud you it was on my list uh, it was it, it it it's a it's a great looking ship uh the notion of converting an ancient japanese an ancient sunk japanese battleship into a space-born battleship uh, made absolutely no sense to american audiences so of course they uh, a couple of episodes in they said well it used to be the Yamato, but we're renaming it the Argo. Um, but it, the look of it is great. The um, they 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 mess around with uh, scale a little bit because uh, somehow they managed to get a few uh, squadrons worth of uh, fighter planes into something that is basically just you know a battleship. Battleships aren't that big, but um, it looks great and it has a super cool wave motion gun. The Argo, love the wave motion gun. Yeah, I think that was was that not I mean the idea there was hey, this is a this is a really notable uh ship from Japanese history that uh was sunk by the Americans. Let's change the name for the American audience. But <laughs> yeah, but, but but surprisingly they they left in the references to the Yamato in the or in the early episodes. So yeah. it was very clearly they 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 very clearly left that in. Um, and the the aesthetic of that show just holds up. And there is, in the last couple of years, uh, there's been a remake of the original series that pretty much follows the storyline and most of the character and ship designs and all that stuff, just cutting edge animation. And it's so wonderful. Yeah. You really like boats in space, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's three boats in space, an aircraft carrier and two battleships. Wait, wait till I bring out my dead. <laughs> uh, Brian, what do you have? This would have been my number one pick had it not been for draft strategy and uh, picking things that I was sure other people would pick because nobody's picked this. It's uh, relatively obscure. This is a spaceship from easily one of my top five video games of the past decade. FTL, colon, Faster Than Light, stars the spaceship The Kestrel. Uh, This game is one where you... um, 
navigate a spaceship through space, but not in the Star Fox actually piloting the ship kind of way. But uh, from the bridge, top down, you send men over to the uh, engine room to repair the engines while also having somebody maximize the uh, the weapons while you're fighting other people. But then you have to change the uh, power of the ship to uh, reroute power over to the doors because you have intruders, etc. It's incredible. Uh, the Kestrel is the main ship in it, and I've spent so many uh, hours, endless hours. Uh, it's a roguelike game, so you get to play for maybe an hour, hour and a half, and then the game is over, and you get an arcade-style score. But the Kestrel is where you spend all your time uh, trying to uh, recruit members to your fleet and uh, flying through uh, to the Federation base or whatever at the end of the game to try to get the uh, get all of your information over there. Uh, it's it's incredible. It's like $10 on the iPad and Steam, but uh, this game is one of my favorites ever, and the spaceship from it, the Kestrel, is also the name of my Chromecast. Fun fact. So this would have been my number one uh, if it weren't for actually having to pick other things I thought other people would pick, but the Kestrel from FTL colon faster than light which is the most redundant video game title I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just explaining, you know, what it uh, mm. what it could be. It's like E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is an infuriating game that I am completely addicted to. Oh, exactly. No, the fact that it's roguelike and you just keep playing and playing and playing until you get a high enough score to actually beat the game is fantastic. You know, you can play for five minutes, you can play for two hours. It's fantastic. All right, with my uh, the choice, the Castrol, uh with my choice, the final pick of, uh, of the proper four rounds of the draft, and then we'll bring out our dead. Uh, I have a tough choice here, too. I was thinking of going with a real spaceship, too, because I never said fictional. And that's what I'm going to do. I am going with the Voyager series of spacecraft from NASA. Okay, so first off, Voyager 1 and 2. Uh, explored <laughs> planets that have not been explored uh, before. Uh, they they went to Jupiter and Saturn. Vo- Voyager two also went to Uranus and Neptune. Uh, they are they are still giving important data from the far reaches of our solar system at the edge of the solar system. Incredibly important spacecraft to the expansion of human knowledge. Also. And guest stars in a Star Trek movie? Is that why you're picking them? A fictional fictional Voyager goes even further and is found by a machine culture. Some might even say it was the Borg, but who knows. Is given its own intelligence and returns to Earth in a giant cloud in Star Trek the motion picture. So it does double duty. It is a science fictional spacecraft as well as a uh, a couple of real spacecraft that were awesome. So that's why I'm going to pick Voyager. Come on. I know. I know. Uh, we'll tell you all about the history of Voyager 8 or whatever. What Voyager was it that went became that Voyager 6? Voyager 6. Was it Voyager 6? I don't know. They ran out of Voyagers, Viger. it turns out. But Viger, Viger remains searching for its creator. Um, so that's my choice. Okay, we have done four rounds of the spaceship draft, but I'm sure everybody else, like me, has a long list of spaceships that they thought about picking and didn't. And so now I ask you to bring out your dead and tell me what else was on your draft list that didn't get picked. Joe, what did you have that you didn't end up drafting? Okay, so I had... The Enterprise E Sovereign class ship. As oh yeah, I like a that backup. one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I I like the design of it a lot. It's very cool. It's very sleek. Uh, the interior lighting, as John noted, is a little better on the on the E than it is on mm-hmm. the D. Um, and it has all of the same features. It also has more weapons, better shields, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I have a certain attachment to the the D, so yeah. that's why I picked it. And I didn't want to just pick Enterprises yeah. for the rest of the, the show. Um, 
the uh, Sutherland, uh, which is a Nebula class ship. Um, that one was a neat design, uh, and the Sutherland specifically has the little sort of triangle thing on the top of it, um, sort of a weapons platform. Uh, it, it's not that notable otherwise, uh, but, uh, but I just like it. And then there's the Thunderchild, which was the first Akira class ship you see in first contact, but I don't really super enjoy it anymore because it always makes me think of Enterprise now because they wanted to reuse that design for the NX01 and it makes me angry now. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I, I had it on there as a backup in emergency um well you really the, are gonna feel conflicted when uh, star trek beyond comes out aren't you <laughs> yes I'm gonna have the, oh. oh that trailer um so <laughs> then the, there's the iks negvar um which is the the negvar where the it was a name assigned after we saw the two klingon ships at the uh end of that star trek next generation finale um the ones that the enterprise blows up uh but they turn out to be the capital ships that they reuse later on deep space nine um it's an interesting design that harkens back to what matt jeffries had originally done for the klingon cruisers uh but more updated and also better looking than the vorcha class so i i like that one uh and then of course i had the defiant on here um but uh as as john has mentioned things blowing up is not great and the defiant unfortunately spoiler alert uh uh has a minor problem with it detonating uh from a <laughs> certain energy weapon and so uh there there's another one that is rechristened later on uh as as happens in star trek uh and and so it's it's a it's a good it's a tough little ship yeah and i i, I like it it's cute it, it doesn't have the uh it's a cute little warship it doesn't have the uh nacelles and everything exactly positioned like a starship uh, starfleet ship normally does so it makes it look pretty unique mm-hmm the Defiant is also on my list. Yeah, it was all. Uh, I had the Enterprise E and the Defiant on my list too. Very good. Uh, lots of Star Trek there that didn't get picked, but that's okay. I, I Joe, I was also with you. If I couldn't get the one seven zero one, I was going to go to the Enterprise E next. I was going to get an Enterprise one way or another. John, <laughs> what do you have on your uh, on your list that you didn't pick? So the one I most regret not getting to, obviously, is the Incom T sixty five X wing. What an iconic ship! Everyone yeah. loves the X wing. Um, Star Destroyers, I had a, a choice to make there. I went with the big one, the Executor class Star Destroyer, be, just because I feel like if you're going to get a Star Destroyer, you might as well get the big one. Because once yeah. the big one is there, the little ones look so dinky next yeah. to it. It's, it's, it's got the seat warmers and the leather and the entertainment package <laughs> and the whole thing. Yeah. Um, my Enterprise, I picked the 2009 reboot one. I really like that redesign, mm-hmm. especially kind of the groovy 60s kind of chrome look. I even like yeah. the lens flares. I think the nacelles are a little close together for my taste, but that's my only <laughs> minor complaint. Out, but I really think that's a good design. It was on my um, list, too. Yeah. Uh, I, and that's mostly because I couldn't find the, the classic Enterprise. that I, I kept going to all the Wikipedia pages and trying to see, where's the one that I really like? That uh, It's not the E. I've been looking at all the ones you guys pick. It's, it's not the original... Anyway, I'm I'm confused about my enterprises, but I really do like the 2009 one. I had Slave One on there because that's a great ship. That's a really <laughs> cool ship, a very very odd ship. Yeah, I had the Discovery from 2001, which I think is the most realistic fake ship in the thing because it's realistic and boring. And I like a ship that is a challenge. Definitely on <laughs> that was definitely on my list, and I almost picked that one. That that's a very interesting looking ship. Murderous uh, AI aside, right? It's like a puzzle ship. It's like if you're up for a challenge, if you want to be a little adversarial with your ship. And Hal is not the ship, but he comes with the ship, and he's a handful. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a lot of of anime stuff on there. I had the SDF one, Veritech fighter, Alpha fighters, basically everything involved uh, that that Robotech came out of. The two Voltrons were contending in there, whether I was going to pick individual lines or the whole Voltrons, because they hang out in space and everything. And, of course, I had Serenity and uh, 
couple of other things that other people picked and that, that's pretty much where i cut off my lip i didn't uh, i didn't go down into video game ships because i just felt like it would polluted my list too much and i knew we wouldn't get that many mm. picks that's true scott what did you have that we didn't uh hear from you uh well, the star wars ship that i had john mentioned the executor class uh superstar destroyer uh i just think 11 mile long ship how can you not pick it <laughs> uh the uh, Dederdix class Romulan bur- uh, bird of prey, no war bird. That's yeah, war bird. war bird. Not a bird, bird of prey. They're no prey anymore. They they war. Uh, one of my favorite alien ships in Star Trek. Uh, I had uh, the USS Prometheus, which is an experimental ship that breaks off into three different ships. That's cool. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for the uh, Excelsior, which uh, was the failed trans warp drive. Also later captained by Sulu. Uh, I think it looks cool. Uh, I had the Cylon Raider and uh, Rama. Ah, Rama from yes. Rendezvous oh, and, with Rama. Uh, exactly, and the Heart of Gold from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, Heart of Gold. That's <laughs> one I was referring to before that I thought someone would pick about it doesn't really take you where you want to go, but where you yeah. need to go yes. where the story wants you to go. And by the way, I, f- I forgot my protest pick. My protest pick, if I had gotten sufficiently angry with Jason's <laughs> officiating, which was close, let me tell you, uh, was Spaceship Earth. The golf ball outside Epcot? I had that list no, too. No, the actual planet. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to take the entire planet. Interesting. I had the golf ball. It's just as much a spaceship as uh, the Death Star. It's not. <laughs> oh, and that's not, but the, but the roller coaster is. The right? roller coaster totally a spaceship. No, the ro- not but the, the roller, roller coaster's coaster. on Earth. The fictional rocket you are riding when you enter the world of Space Mountain. That's yeah, right. No, I, un- I understood the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, what do you have for us oh, that we didn't I get had, to? I had, well, Chip had mentioned if the TARDIS was taking he was thinking of taking the master tardis not me i would have taken the ronnie's tardis because it has a cool marble decor on the inside it's got a dinosaur in a jar and instead of a a column that goes up and down it's got a a rotating pair of metallic rings which looks super cool Mm. um another doctor who ship uh from underworld the p7e was a spaceship from the planet minyos and when the minion civilization was destroyed by a nuclear war uh p7e took the race banks of all of their people left for the stars and eventually they got caught in a nebula where the ship was basically turned into a planet which was kind of a cool thing uh and there was all this like greek mythology stuff so uh, p70 turned out to be kind of a neat place to live um if you didn't mind you know totalitarian rule there was that yeah and all the all the all the green screen too <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah that's true it wasn't entirely green screen it was it was the the prequels before the prequels the actual planet was just green screen everywhere um that mm-hmm. was it was strange how it was designed that way yeah, the actors hated it. They had no budget in that episode, no. and they made do. Yep. Gosh, they made do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to keep my marriage happy, I was required to mention Benny's spaceship, spaceship, spaceship from the Lego movie, <laughs> um, which is one of the spaceships that is surrounding me right now. Um uh, on Blake 7, the Scorpio is the ship that came after the Liberator. It's not quite as cool as the Liberator, and its computer is named Slave and is actually kind of creepy, so that is why I did not pick it earlier. Um, another Red Dwarf thing, Starbug, because Starbug is uh, one of the little transports that mm. comes out of Red Dwarf, and they have, are forced to live in it for a while, and it's just one of the most adorable little ship models. It looks like a little little bug. It's like little rounded rounded bubbles all stuck together with little feet, and I just think it's very cute. Um, 
got to go with some Babylon 5. I was was going to, even though it looks like a plucked chicken in space, I appreciate <laughs> the White Star because oh, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, in part for, for what it means for the characters on the show when they get this new class of ships. It, it like, you know, takes them to the, the next level and it's exciting and it, it's a and combination. And it looks cool. I don't care what JMS says. <laughs> Thank you. I, I wrote it down, but I deleted it because of, <laughs> of what you had said. But but I agree, it is definitely a, a, a cool ship to what the characters think. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's you know it's a combination of technologies from two different races, and it, it kind of you know blows a lot of the other ships out of the water. Um, also, Babylon Five, I really appreciate the Star Furies simply yeah. because of the way that they move in space. They don't follow like you know regular spaceship rules from a lot of TV shows that I grew up watching. They can pivot and spin and and actually pay attention to the way physics would, for the most part, work in space, which I think is a a pretty neat thing. They're they're a they're X wings uh, informed by real physics, basically. Yeah, that that is basically what they are. Yeah. Um, and but if we're going purely on what things look like, I did have the uh, Minbari war cruiser on my list, but Jason took that. Mm. My my actual next choice right after that was the Minbari flyer, which is a much sort of like a little personal kind of a ship that that people can tool around in all by themselves, and it's it's also got sort of like a purpley turquoise blue to it, and it's got little fins, and it just looks very organic and and it's a zippity little thing, so I like that. Um, but possibly yeah. my my favorite Earth ship from. Babylon 5 is the EAS Cortez, which is a ginormous ship that is under the command of uh, Captain Jack Maynard, who is played by the fellow who played Dr. Jacoby on Twin Peaks. So automatically uh, it's extra cool. But it's this huge ship that goes out and explores the universe and builds jump gates so that other ships can travel from place to place, uh, which I think is neat. And I was also going to pick the Black Lion from Voltron. That was on my list. And and I was going to pick from uh, the Pern, uh, Anne McCaffrey's Pern series, I was going to pick Avis until I realized that that was actually an artificial intelligence and not a spaceship. So I have withdrawn that from my list. All right. It's tricky sometimes. AI, spaceships. It, it, it can is. be tricky. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no AI or spaceship podcast yet. No. Yet. Monty, what did you have that you didn't pick? Uh, well, I had a couple things fighting it out for my real spaceship slot that I picked, went with the Enterprise on. My other options were Soviet Sputnik 2, which is the uh, Sputnik that carried Laika the dog into space uh-huh. on the grounds that it was the first thing that could actually be called a spaceship with a passenger. Uh-huh. And my other option for that was going to be Juno, currently in the news orbiting Jupiter. Yep. I considered a chair with 47 rockets attached, which was allegedly used by a man named Wan Hu in 2000 BC to take him into space. Uh, most people, including Mythbusters, view this as fictional. But what the heck? Most of these spaceships are fictional, so I think it should have been fine. The Plan 9 UFO not only has a ray that <laughs> resurrects the dead, which would come in handy, but it could be used as a hubcap on a 57 Chevy. <laughs> and my only other one that I was going to have to use if everything else got rejected was the cab driven by Space Cabby. Space Cabby, of course, is a... Uh, Marvel Comics character who drives a cab through space. Of course. <laughs> of course. Why not? Why not? Sometimes you got to get somewhere and you don't have a spaceship. You got to take yeah, your space you, cab. You, you got to pick up some money somehow. Why yeah. not driving people around? I'm really mad that Space Uber is going to put that guy out of a job. But, you know, yeah. you got to <laughs> disrupt everything. Uh, Chip, what did you have? 
Well, there's been a depressing lack of space Winnebago's in this draft, so <laughs> the Eagle Five from Spaceballs is called for. Okay. There's also a depressing amount of space Winnebago's in that movie. <laughs> one, um, one too many. I, I I was also uh, thinking about the Heart of Gold in Star Trek World, uh, the USS Reliant, hmm. which is I think the first really. In the classic series, pretty much, if you saw a if if you saw a Federation ship, it was a redressed uh, Enterprise right. model, um, and this was the first time that we got to see a different look for the ship, and that opened up the whole that opened up the whole universe for uh, future movies and TV shows. Um, the Romulan Warbird, when it appears in the uh, you know that's that's like the one good moment in the first season of Star Trek: Next Generation right. is when the Warbird shows yeah, up. Yeah, that's that that D. Deradex class that uh, who mentioned yeah. that somebody Scott mentioned. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and as far as Enterprises go, the the Constitution refit the uh, Star Trek one through six Enterprise uh, is. By far my favorite. Um, I uh, I much prefer that to uh, the J.J. Abrams version, which just looks like a barge to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, Star Wars, uh, funnily enough, when I was a kid, it wasn't the X-Wing that did it for me. It was the Y-Wing. Um, huh. I, 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 I adored the Y-Wing, and I kind of liked, even as a kid, watching that movie and seeing that, you know, here's the bombers that are really supposed to take out the... Um, the Death Star, and they have a design that lends itself to that, and they go through there and um, and makes it all the more remarkable that our young uh, our young Luke Skywalker saves the day. Um, um, the uh, the Phoenix from Science Ninja Team Gotcha Men, aka Battle of the Planets. Uh, it's a multitasker. It's a uh, it's a spaceship. It's a carrier, and it's a blowtorch. And uh, the I did have a video game in there, the the fighter from Vanguard, the 1981 arcade game that allowed you to shoot in multiple directions and fly through an energy pod and just smash through other spaceships and walls. That was great. And finally, my last dead, um, bringing my multitasking theme home. Not just one ship, but 15 ships. Not just spaceships, but also sport utility vehicles and helicopters. <laughs> the gestalt of vehicle Voltron. A lot of Voltron happening here. Voltron mm-hmm. and Red Dwarf, surprising amounts of both. Brian, what did you have left? Well, uh, my most legitimate one that I had was uh, TIE Fighters from Star Wars. Uh, yeah. My favorite, uh, d- favorite I've got one of those next to me. Yeah, I had that, <laughs> there you I had go. that in my list too, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I think they look the coolest of any of the Star Wars ships. Uh, I, too, had Discovery 1, Heart of Gold on my list. Uh, the only one that no one's mentioned yet is the Nostromo from uh, uh, yeah. Alien, which is uh, one that was on my list. It's infested, though. You don't want that one. That's true. But <laughs> I like it. It's very atmospheric and creepy, and there's a cat on it. Uh, the <laughs> ship from District 9, a big, looming, mm. creepy, uh, mysterious uh, ship in Johannesburg. Uh, the thing from Contact, whoever the hell that is. Yeah, I had that uh, on my I list also... too. The machine from Contact. <laughs> well, I mean, the spaceship itself is like a bubble, right? But it's got the crazy like gyroscope thing that launches it into the wormhole. Right, That's right. Pretty great. Now, it was. Uh, I didn't have much to say about it. It was just the thing from Contact that yeah. I really liked watching. Uh, I also had Juno and the uh, International Space Station on my list. Uh, from <laughs> the video game realm, I have. Um, 
uh, Ratchet and Clank spaceship, which I can't remember the name of, and Samus Aran's spaceship from the Metroid Prime series, which does not have a name except for Samus's gunship. And the things I were too tired to argue were spaceships were uh, Wheatley from Portal 2 and <laughs> Bender from Futurama, as seen in episode uh, 320, Godfellas, when he is flying through mm. space and harboring a... Uh, uh, a civilization on his chest and then talks to God. Uh, didn't want to argue that, so here I am for your consideration. Yeah. <laughs> Jason. I'm glad that we didn't have to get there, Brian. Uh, <laughs> he gone for it. He was awful generous this time out. Yeah, yeah, I think th- those might have been rejected, but you never know. Uh, in the moment, I might have just approved everything. It's not a draft unless I approve something controversially. Uh, here's what I had left. I had Moya, the Leviathan, that is the spaceship in Farscape. A living creature uh, that that they that is also a spaceship, and they uh, and we hear about her mood from the pilot. The pilot is, and some of the other characters are sort of emotionally attached to the to the spaceship. And she has a baby at one point who is also a spaceship in during the run of that show. So I think that was a very interesting uh, uh, spaceship character. I really like the Vorlon cruiser. And transport ship, mm. both the designs of both mm-hmm. of those from Babylon Five, they are kind they're of shimmery. They're shimmery and they kind of like a flower almost or a plant of some sort. They've a got bulb a, of garlic. They've got a bit, yeah, a big stalk and then the little cape kind of thing in the back. They're really neat. Um, I was going to mention the uh, from Doctor Who the the Dalek saucer only because it's hilarious. It's just a flying saucer, and they go with it, and they just yes, <laughs> they are in a flying oh. saucer. You just have to. I just deal remembered, with it. My, like one of my important ones, I forgot to put on my list. Damn yeah, me too. From you knew this was going to happen. It's happening late in the game. From the Micronauts, of course, the Micronauts <laughs> ship, the HMS Endeavor, as well as the Bio ship, which is just a very large version of the character Biotron, who is a ship. Um, the the original Romulan bird of prey I had on my list um, from Balance of Terror. With um, Mark Leonard as the commander, um, I had that. I had that that model, and I, I. It was the hardest thing to get that the the whole bird on the bottom oh, as a decal, yes. and I kept. I and I tore it, and it was. It, oh, how do the Romulans do it? Was it the snap together model one where you had the wet decal that you'd put over the whole bottom? It thing? was not. It was, it was a glue together, but then yes, you have the wet oh, decal okay. that you have to put on the bottom of it. I had the snap together one with a decal. It was. It was a smaller version of the same problem. Yeah. Yeah, but but I, I thought that was a, a a cool weird vessel. And in early Star Trek, there weren't that many spaceship models really, um, and that was an interesting one. Uh, from the comic book saga, the main characters travel a lot in a tree that is also a spaceship, and I always thought that was kind of cool. Yep. And there's a key moment where they uh, they they mentioned something about uh, having to. Uh, be on the on the radar because the radar of all the spaceships is detecting all the metal objects around them, and they realize, oh, our ship is made of wood. They can't see us, which is a pretty cool moment because it's a tree. Um, and then finally, since uh, since Chip mentioned uh, the fighter from Vanguard, I'll just say, I don't know, that spaceship you fly around in Defender. And that's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> that thing turns on a dime. It's amazing. It? Smart bomb. Smart bomb. Uh, I know. How about that? And that's it. What did we learn? Nothing. Except that there are lots of spaceships. <laughs> And that's how I like it. So uh, I'd like to thank my panel for joining me and for picking some spaceships. I'm going to thank them in turn now and tell you what they got. Tell them what they won. Joe Rosensteel, <laughs> thanks for being here. You got the Enterprise NCC-1701D, the Klingon Bird of Prey, 
from Deep Space Nine will say the NCSA protector from Galaxy Quest and the snowflake city of Atlantis from Stargate Atlantis. Thanks for being here. Thank you. John Syracuse, you walked away with the Millennium Falcon, the Death Star 2, the Gunstar from the last Starfighter, and the Colonial (laughs) Viper Mark II. Thanks for being here. I'll try not to spin off another podcast from this one. I don't know. We're running out of robots, <laughs> frankly, so maybe this is our next stop. It's It could happen. Scott McNulty, you had the NCC-1701D with that extra nacelle stuck onto it. Um, you also had the Borg Cube, the uh, Fine Disregard for Awkward Facts MSV from the Culture Novels, and the Archangel-class ship from Hyperion. Thanks for being here. And I remember the bird of prey that I had on my list was General Chang's from the Undiscovered Country, ah. which can fire while cloaked. It can. Doesn't end well for that ship, though. No, no. it has few, a tailpipe. Things do. It does have it a does. tailpipe and Shakespeare. But it also features the Excelsior. So, so much Shakespeare. <laughs> Erica, you had the TARDIS, the Red Dwarf, Enlightenment from Red Dwarf, and the Liberator from Blake Seven. That's a pretty solid uh, Hall of Fame of British sci-fi ships. I think. I feel like I'm I'm keeping up my end here. Mm. Yep. Somebody had to. Mm-hmm. Monty Ashley, Satellite of Love from MST3K, <laughs> Dora from Robert Heinlein novels, Ro- the rocket you're riding on when you are riding on Space Mountain, <laughs> <laughs> and the Space Shuttle Enterprise. Thanks for being here. Thank you. My space fleet is fun. <laughs> it is. <laughs> the Space Shuttle, by the way, is currently in a museum or something. Yeah, it is. So Museums are fun. Yeah, exactly. I just have that in my front yard, showing off for the neighborhood. <laughs> sure. Ch- Chip, you had the Macross SDF-1 from Robotech. Cheyenne Dropship from Aliens. The Legoland Space Galaxy Commander. It's number 6980 in your catalog. And the Battleship Yamato or Argo from Star Blazers. Thank you. The amount of space in a ship. <laughs> well said. Watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Brian? You had the Rosinante from the Expanse novels and TV series. The Castle from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That is as Monty-esque a pick as you can get. Serenity. You made me very angry there. And the Kestrel from the game FTL, colon, Faster Than Light. Thanks for being here. Lost in time and lost in space and meaning. And I am your host, Jason Snell. I had the Enterprise 1701 from the original Star Trek, a Mimbari war cruiser that's like a tropical fish, the Justice of Torin from Anne Leckie's series of novels starting with Ancillary Justice, and the Voyager probes, including the one that's in Star Trek The Motion Picture, because why not? And uh, this has been the incomparable Spaceship Draft. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.